Thank you. Please be seated. And uh, go with me to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. And if you don't have a bulletin, raise your hands. You should, I want you to pull out this little, little card that says full-time ministry ID card. If you could pull that out, that would be great. Uh, if you don't have one of these full-time ministry ID cards, just raise your hands. Balcony or first floor will get you one of those, all right? Just keep your hands raised. And you want to go to Genesis 3. There you go. Yeah, as that's being done, let me, let me begin. I, I was given a, or recommended a book this past summer called The Singularity is Near. It was written by some brilliant, you know, inventor, futurist, scientist fellow. It was a bestseller in 2005. It was a really interesting book about nanotechnology and robotics and intersection of information and biology. I really didn't understand most of it. But uh, a, a couple of things were fascinating about it. As this... this Ray Kurzweil was talking about how we're entering a future where uh, the pace of technological change is so rapid and its impact so deep that human life as we know it is going to be irreversibly changed. And uh, that the exponential growth of informational technology is just exploding and it's going to continue to explode. And, uh, and he actually argues it's going to come a day when there'll be no distinction of human beings and machines. I don't know. Sounds like, uh, sounds like a movie. I don't know. But... Virtual reality will become as you know common as physical reality, and uh, but that a hundred would take a hundred years of history, say 1900 to 2000, uh, was is now only takes about 25 years. But that's how quickly change is coming upon uh, culture, and that technology, the innovation of technology, actually double every 10 years. You think about that one. I think of all technology doubling in 10 years. So it gives arguments like the computer. In the 1940s, the computer was just kind of a new thing. A few companies had it. Who would have ever imagined the computer would dominate life in the world the way it does today? Or even like Facebook phenomenon. You know, 2004, Facebook began. You know, half a billion people six years later. I mean, that, that kind of impact. But saying that's just a, that's a tip of the iceberg of, of what's coming. But what's interesting, and I'm on this text in Genesis 3, because regardless of what's happening around us, and there are lots of things happening around us, uh, what doesn't change is who you are and why you exist and how you are to live your life, the meaning of your existence. That, that doesn't change, uh, regardless of culture. And, and so we're in this little series here, on, on, which ends today, on, on kind of our vision, our, our, our rule of life. And if you remember, we started by talking about Zechariah, that you know, God made, is calling us to be something, this kind of a be a people, that's a, that's a gift to the world, and, and then... Drew talked about how the mess of life, God comes to us from the demoniac. And last week, was about Rich spoke about slowing down, because slow is beautiful to meet God. And, and, and today, I want to really come from this text of Genesis 2 and 3, where God comes to us about who we are and, and what is the whole purpose of our lives. So, so today is, is, is really hits the core of spiritual formation at New Life. What are we about? Why are we even here? And I want to give you a phrase uh, that's going to hopefully stay with you. It's, it's called, it's really the title in a message, to offer a sincere gift of self. Now, that's, the, that's the meaning of your existence. It's the purpose of your life. It's why you're here on earth, is to offer a gift of self to those around you. All right? So um, in, in this card here, there's a full-time ministry card that you were given. And, and I'm probably going to have to work on this a, a little bit more. We gave one of these out two years ago. Uh, we were doing a series on work and calling. And I've been pondering it since then, uh, and especially the last six to 12 months about uh, the first line and how to redo it. So 
I, I want you just to, to, to read it with me for a second, second here. You know, it says, you know, so if you're a Christian, the day you came to Christ, you were called to full-time ministry. The word ministry means you're a servant. So at New Life Fellowship, we don't believe like a pastor or a missionary has been called to the ministry and then there's the rest of us. No, no, there's, when you become a Christian, you are called full-time to the ministry. You're a full-time servant of Jesus Christ, regardless of what your profession might be, that he is your life. And so we've all got this calling on us. It works out differently. And so, uh, and so some of you have been carrying around this card, and may you continue to do the one you've been carrying, a nice laminated card that was given out. Some of you even use it for when you get pulled over by the police, as someone told me. <laughs> someone said they did pull it out for the police. And, uh, but uh, I'm a full-time minister, a servant of Jesus Christ. And, and, and so what I shifted was, it, it used to say, you know, I, I am called to, to be transformed. And I, I think I would actually reword it now that I'm actually working it through. So this is a work in progress. But what I, what I did make new was, out of a life receiving the love of God, I am called to. And it begins by one, offer a gift of self. And that, that's our theme today, offer a gift of self. So I want you to say that phrase with me, offer a gift of self. One more time, ready? Offer a gift of self. If you remember nothing else from today's message, you'll walk away with that phrase, to offer a gift of self. And you've got to ponder, what does that even mean? But that, that's our theme. And then it's create and shape, which comes out of Genesis 1, like God creates and shapes. Build community. We all build community. We're, we're a community at New Life Fellowship, but we're all called to get equipped and build community wherever we are, neighborhood, workplace, family. And then we push back the powers of evil at work, church, family, neighborhood and wherever I go. So at New Life Fellowship, regardless of your profession, and we have a lot of different professions here. Some of you are, you're in business. Others of you are in healthcare. Others are in education or social services. Others are in the service and retail industry. Some others of you are city workers or work for the government, state or federal. Others of you are in construction and the trades. Others of you are in the arts. Others of you are, are students. Others are, are, are in transition, you're, you're in between careers. Some of you are unemployed. Some of you are retired. Some of you are in transportation. Others of you are in the medical field or legal profession um, or sales. And there's lots of others besides that. But, but regardless of what career or job you may be or where you are, you are in the full-time ministry. You, you are a full-time servant of Jesus when you became a Christian. That he is your life. And it works out differently for each of us. And, and so, your purpose of your life begins by you're receiving the love of God. Yes, because you're not receiving, you have nothing to give. So our whole life is one of taking in and receiving. But out of that, you and I are called to offer a sincere, the words are very important here, sincere. There can be an insincere gift. It's a gift, not a demand, of self. It's yourself. We're going to have communion at the end of the service today where Jesus says, this is my body given for you. That's the call for us. We, we live our lives in such a way, we're so filled with the love of God that we too walk through life in a sense saying to people, this is my body given for you. We actually make visible the communion. We make visible Christ through the very way that we manage and live our lives. We're not like everybody else. So with that, let's read our text, which, uh, again, is, is the foundation of, 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 uh, of the beginning of history here. So I'm, I'm going to begin at verse 7 of Genesis 3. Adam and Eve are in the garden. The serpents tempted them. They've grabbed the fruit. Verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. 
So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid second time. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And then the rest of it goes on. Amen. All right. So, so what happened in this great story, beginning at verse 1, the serpent, the evil one, comes to, to Eve and, 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 and Adam and, and puts in her mind, you know, God said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's right there in the center of the garden. And, and basically, the serpent comes and says, well, just like we hear that voice all the time, you know what? God's not for you. That's why he's got all these things and limits around your life. And God's holding back on you. Do you... He doesn't want you to reach your full potential. You know, he's not fair. In fact, he's kind of like an absentee father. When you really need him, he's not around. And you know what? He's crushing you with these commands. You know, it's foolish to follow God. Get a grip. Run your own life. You know what? He'll ruin your life. You better defend yourself. And so he's a tyrant. You can't trust him. You're like, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, better, I better make my own life. I better make it happen, you know. And you start grasp. She grasps. The key thing is she grasps the tree. Like we do, we just, we, we say, for God, I don't know, but I'm going to make it happen. We grasp the tree, we start making our own decisions and push them aside. And we, say, and, and we doubt God's goodness, just like they did. And tr doubt his, we reject his care and, and his love, and so they were attracted to that voice, and we hear those voices, and we grab. And, and so what happens as a result of that, there is now something enters the world. And, and, and this kind of, there's a shattering of communion with God and a shattering of relationships in the world. And so, so today I want to present kind of our structure here, the problem where we have and the solution, God's solution. But we do have a problem. The problem is the world is a mean place. Amen on that one. It's a mean place. That garden's a mean place. He did it. She did it. You know, And, and we see them now they're, sh they're ashamed. You know, it's interesting. They, 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 uh, prior to this, they were naked. They felt no shame. Now they're ashamed uh, of their persons and and now there's lying and, 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 and there's blaming and there's fear. There was no fear before. And, and, and they do violence to each other. Now they're attacking each other and, 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 and they're treating each other as, as objects, not as people. And, you know, the opposite of love is, is, is using. And now they're using each other. There's not communion. There's not intimacy. And, and in verse 10, you read this great statement, you know, uh, Adam says, I, I, I heard you, God, in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And it's a, you know, hiding from God and hiding from one, one another. It's what, it's what happens in our world. We're hiding. And this idea of fig leaves, they, 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 they take these fig leaves to cover themselves in their shame. And fig leaves is fundamentally, it's like, I, I don't want you to get too close to me. So I'm going to hide by putting up fig leaves so you don't really see my, my vulnerable, my, my inside. I protect, I'm protecting myself. 
And uh, it's, a fig leaves is a great image of, of I'm defending myself, that you might hurt me, uh, and you don't see my shame, my insides. And so in our world, it's very, nobody gets to know you anymore. So we have a lot of denial, a lot of hostility, a lot of defensiveness, a lot of blaming, a lot of manipulation, a lot of judging of each other. The world's a mean place because I'm afraid that, you know what? I'll die if you know the truth about me. Who knows what you'll do to me? And, 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 and the things that I've done or things that have been done to me. I was recently doing a genogram uh, at a church. And one of the leaders, uh, in, uh, older leader, been around quite a while, she began to show kind of her, her family history and her own history. And, and she said, uh, there's something on this genogram of my life that I have never told anyone my entire life. And this person was in significant leadership uh, in the church. And I said, well, she, I said, why? And she goes, I'm so ashamed at what I have done. And I said, well, <clears throat> you mean to tell me there's not one person safe in the world that you could tell this to? And she said, I would be so afraid that they would reject me and the church wouldn't be safe. And so I've held on to this my entire life. And she said, at this point, there was, you know, I don't know, 150 people doing their genogram. She goes, do you know how much shame is in this room, she said, that nobody's talking about? It's everywhere here, and everybody's afraid. I was like, wow. And so it's easy to, even in the church, the world's a mean place, that we're actually afraid in here. And so we have fig leaves. Like, is it really safe to come out of hiding? Or will I get smashed too? And, and we fear exposure. We fear rejection. We fear being ignored. We fear that we'll be treated like we're invisible and people will look right past us. And we fear being forgotten and alone and despised. The world is a mean place. And so the idea, I'm, I'm saying to you today, offer a sincere gift of self is your life. You're like, right. Try that in traffic. You may go in front of me. <laughs> You'll never move, you know. And, and I was on the subway this week, and I had my, my, my little bag I carry. It's kind of a big bag, and it's really crowded, so I kind of crunched in, you know, and got on my spot, and, and this fellow got on, and he gave me a look to kill me. <laughs> and he said to me, move it! I got the message. I was thinking, sincere gift of self. <laughs> you know, how many of you, you know, are in workplaces where it is dog eat dog? I mean, you tell me the story. You're fighting over clients, scarcity, who's going to make it, who's politicking, who's stepping on your, you know, on your, on your shoulders to crush you so they can get ahead. And I mean, j just, I mean, we, we can go through the, you know, board of education, you know, city agency, you know, corporate, Wall Street. But it's interesting, you know, you think of just living in New York, you know, it's, it's, it's just all these people just makes it mean. You know, I heard this one neighborhood in Flushing with 133 nationalities. I mean, one neighborhood, you know, all the races and cultures and languages and backgrounds. You know, it's like you're just trying to fight sometimes to survive here, you know. And, and so the world's, it's just, it's just mean out there. And, it's just, and so I struggle, like you struggle. I struggle to trust God, those voices that come to me, and I struggle to trust people. Um, and so I, too, like you, I, I like to hide behind fig leaves. And so you know how it is. You're in a conversation. You know, it goes like this. You're in a conversation. You're talking with someone. And all of a sudden, you're thinking to yourself, you have to say to yourself, hmm, hmm. 
You're like, let me, let me throw this in to, to present myself in a better light. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I, by the way, do you know what I've done? Oh, yeah, do you know what I do for a living? You know, or do you know what I've accomplished? You know, and just something to put a fig leaf up there that you don't get to know the vulnerable self behind that fig leaf. Or you know it's like to be in a conversation, and the conversation is going in a place that is not who you are, and you should say something, especially if it's defending a value or a person, but you know that if you say something, they may crush you, and so you zip up the lip, and you say nothing, and you put the fig leaf on, and you just kind of move along because you don't want to get out there too much. It might be unsafe. Or someone criticizes you. Oh, you know. And so you just know it is time to attack, okay? God forbid they get in there too close. And so you get mean. And I can go on and on. But fig leaves, friends, is the world in which we live. It's, it is mean out there. And, you know, some of you, um, and, and so as we know, we got people who are medicate themselves, and some of us in this room know what it's like to medicate ourselves on drugs or alcohol or food or, or spending or, 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 or shopping or even religion. People get into religion and church and get meaner and more judgmental and more angry. It's amazing. And, uh, and of course, on top of all this is mean place. Our world, our families growing up impact us and our feelings of safety out there. You know, some of you are familiar with, with, with attachment theory. Uh, which comes out of the whole counseling field. And it's, it's fascinating because it really, at least it's got a biblical basis for it. You know, God created us in Genesis 2. It's not good for man to be alone, Genesis 2.18. That you were created not just uh, to be loved by God, you were created for relationships with people. You were, it's not good to be alone. And that we need people. We need attachment. We need what we call bonding, emotional closeness and physical touch with other people. But that bonding has been damaged because of sin in the human race. And so we all grew up in families which there's been a, a damaging to attachment. And so attachment theory basically goes like this, that how you were treated in your early years of life as a child impacts you as an adult in your attaching to other people, in your ability to bond or connect or experience safety or give safety. So, I mean, for what it's worth, it's really quickly, you know. So if you came from a very securely attached home, you know, where you, you, can't, you look for comfort, or attachment as a small kid, you know, and, and uh, maybe your parents were in a good place, you know, and it was secure, they were empathetic, it was safe, wonderful. Uh, others, you know, you, you, you know, as a child, you come and you pursue attachment, but they call them avoidantly attached children, which are, you come for it, but your parents, uh, for whatever reason, are emotionally unavailable. They, 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 they're just, they're not there, and um, they don't know how to be available emotionally to connect. And so you grow up as an adult, you're not, as an adult, you're not sure how to connect either. It's very confusing. And then the third category they call ambivalent uh, attachment, which is, uh, you know, your child comes for attachment. The parents are preoccupied and entangled, and sometimes they do attach and connect with you. Other times they don't, but it's inconsistent. And so you kind of got your wires crossed, like you don't know when you're going to get it, when you're going to not get it. And you go into adulthood kind of very kind of ambivalent about attaching about safety, about connecting. And then the last one is just disorganized attachment, which are children growing up in abusive homes often uh, where the parents have their own unresolved trauma and their own unresolved loss, and so they have no ability to attach themselves. And so it's, it's terrifying. And so you come, grow up into adulthood, and it's just it's very confusing. And I just mention that because, uh, you know, many of us, we're now adults, and, and we're trying to get through life, and we're overloaded, and we're exhausted, and we're confused internally, and we got a, a world in there that's sometimes mean, but we also have internal stuff going on that the idea, I can give you a little bit of myself, not 
a, not a sincere gift of self like my person. I'll give you a half sincere gift of a little bit of self because I'm not sure you're going to hurt me or not. And so we go through life, Christians or followers of Jesus, but very protective, hiding, careful, suspicious. And we never really enter our destiny from God, which is the core of formation, spiritual formation, which is I'm receiving the love of God out of which I am actually giving. I offer the world a sincere, no strings attached, gift, it's a gift, not a demand, of self, my person to you. It's powerful. So let, let's, just, let's just go to, 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 to the solution. The solution of God to the problem of the world is, is Jesus and his church, his people, that we are a people that offer a sincere gift of self just like Christ does. Now, I want you to look at verse 9 for a moment because there's a great phrase in there which is worth putting on your mirror in the bathroom. God comes to Adam and Eve in the garden, and he says these words, where are you? Love that. God initiates. God comes, and, 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 and he comes, and he finds you, and he speaks to you. He speaks to me. He says, where are you? He says, I'm hiding. That's why I'm hiding, because it's mean out there, and I'm scared, and I'm ashamed, and it's, it's all these people's fault. But what's interesting is God doesn't come angry to smash them. God doesn't rub their noses in it. You screwed up, you idiots. You know, your whole rest of history is going to be affected because of your bad decision. You should have trusted me. He doesn't rub their noses in it. You know, God comes alongside, and, 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 and he basically, he, he helps them cope with their shame. And it's amazing because God makes them these garments. In verse 21, it says that, that the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. And so you've got this, this future God uh, looking forward to Jesus Christ, the slaying of an animal. And God makes a garment of skin, and he clothes Adam and Eve, and he covers their shame as they come out of hiding. And, and, and he offers them what we call grace. And he loves them. And they receive his love. It's a wonderful, wonderful picture. God holds them in, his, in their shame. That God wants to hold you in your shame and your, and your hiding. And God does for them what they can't do for themselves. They, they, they can't save themselves. This text is such a miracle the way God initiates. Because this is how God works in history. God's pursuing you. God's pursuing us. Relentlessly coming after you and after me. And, and, and Christianity is Jesus coming and dying, shedding his blood blood, but he's restoring us to our, our destiny, which is to offer a sincere gift of self. We receive his love, we're living in that, and then we offer that sincere gift of love to other people. And uh, God gives a sincere gift of himself to us. You know, I, I, this text here, you know, we often take Genesis 2.25, which is the last verse of chapter 2. It's spoken at weddings for marriages. But really, this text is more than simply a marriage text. It is for singles and marriage. It's the way that relationships are meant to be, all relationships. And, and, and you see that the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. In that Adam sees, for example, he sees the uniqueness of Eve. Eve sees the uniqueness of Adam as a person. That the, this is a person that 
can't be repeated. This is a person that's so unique. This is a person with such dignity. This is a thou, not an it's. This is life as it was meant to be lived. And so Adam offers a sincere gift of self to Eve. He's not using her. He's not trying to get something from her. He's just he's offering a gift of himself to love her. And she, in the same way, is offering a gift of self to him. It's a tremendous, and they're both living, receiving the gift of God, of, of, of God himself to, to them. So they're in this communion with God, communion with each, other, with each other. That, friends, is your destiny and my destiny. Now, because of sin, the great problem, we've needed a savior to bring us back here. So let, let, me, let me, it's kind of like this. If, I, if you think about driving on a flat tire, have you ever driven a car on a flat tire? Yeah. It's really difficult, okay? If you have four flat tires, it's really hard, okay? But that's how most of us live our lives. We are so used to driving with flat tires, the way we function, that we actually think this is normal. The way that we relate to people at work, school, family, friendships, church, we think, that's it. I'm just driving with a flat tire. That's just the way it is. No, no, no. Christianity is Jesus came to inflate the tires. That you are actually called to live a life that is filled with God, that has a supernatural power marked in it, that's matured, that's experienced a character transformation, that you actually are different, and I'm different, than the world around us. Unlike the world hiding, shaming, defending, blaming, manipulating, judging, we actually are maturely offering a gift of ourselves. And we're not as doormats, not like we don't have a self. No, we actually have a self that we offer to people, and we do it sincerely as, as a gift, not, not a demand. So, so let me just try to, try to unpack this a little bit. Because you see, in our culture, a, a person only has use, only has value as long as he or she is useful to me. So as soon as I don't need this person, I just, I get rid of them. I discard them. I get somebody else. Some of us know it's like to go through multiple marriages like that, you know, or, and, and, and often we're so busy and overloaded that when we give a gift of love, it's contaminated. See, the big question is, are you resentful when you give it yourself? Many of us are. We give. We resent it, but we give. You know, uh, I found myself the last few weeks out of my rhythms. And uh, busier than normal with a couple of projects, made a decision or two I regret making. And uh, when I'm busy, really busy, I can feel it in my body. I mean, I can feel the adrenaline. I can feel the tension. And I, I, could, I caught myself, you know, being mean, you know, domineering, remarks coming out of my mouth that were just sharp to slice somebody. I was short and with people, curt, um, my, my faces, you know. And, and so I, 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 I was watching it. I was almost like, like, a, like a, going like 100 miles an hour downhill and I couldn't stop. And I was not giving a sincere gift of myself, I can assure you of that. I was giving a resentful gift of myself. And I, I finally, last Wednesday night, I was like, oh my goodness. It's like, I realized I don't like being with this person and this person is me. Julie really Harwood, you don't like me, and you're living with me. And you're like, how do I get away from me? Everywhere I go, I am there. <laughs> and so I sat there, and I just, like one evening, for hours, three to four hours, I just had to, like, journal. 
Because I said, I am not giving a sincere gift of self to anybody. In fact, right now, I am a dangerous missile. And I just had to sort out my life. What am I doing? Why do I? This is not that important. But also recognizing that, like you, unless I'm receiving the love of God appropriately, I have nothing to give. In fact, I'm full of resentments of giving, whether it's to Jerry or my children or my friends or you at New Life Fellowship, you name it. So part of the question is, how do I create a life? This is why this whole rule of life is so important for us at New Life, is we're trying to help you, trying to help us as a community create a life where the deposits are coming into us of the love of God. We're actually taking in uh, gifts from God so that it's a joy to give a gift out. The problem is you've got nothing coming in when it comes out it's coming out, you need it from a person. It's not a gift anymore. It's a demand because you're not taking care of yourself. And so I don't know what it is for you, whether it's exercising or, 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 or slowing down for fun or spending money on yourself or Sabbath keeping, whatever it is. Um, but I know this, that it requires a slow contemplative life of receiving to be able to offer a gift of self. Because what happens, if I'm not slowed down enough I think I'm giving a sincere gift of love, but I'm so unaware because I have so much going on, it's really not. It's a half sincere gift. And generally, when you're on the receiving end of those gifts, you can smell it a mile away. I love you. I want to give you this gift, but you know they want something back. You can smell it. But generally, I'm not so good at smelling it when it's me giving the insincere gift because I'm too busy anyway. I don't have time to think about it. I figured God would give me a pass. So I, I know that this issue of a slowed down life is critical if it's going to be genuine and sincere. So let me just take a couple of areas and, and apply it. Let's take sexuality for a minute. You know, to give a sincere gift of self. Uh, you know, the great tension in our culture is, is our whole culture is about using bodies as objects, especially women, okay, objectification. Now, and so sexuality is detached from a person. We separate a person's body from their person, body from their spirit, just the body. So look at Victoria's Secret catalogs or whatever, or billboards, just, I want that woman's body. I don't care about the person, but I want the body. And sometimes a woman, sometimes, will, will, for emotional connection, here, you know, and, and men will use, manipulate women for, for physical sex. And, and, and so this separation of, of people, body and soul, is huge in our culture. But you see, if there's lust or, or, or there, there's, there's, there's this, this grasping, it's not love. It, it violates integrity. It's using. And so, as you know, singles can use each other, even emotionally, uh, as well as physically. Married couples can use each other. It can't it not be a sincere gift of love. It could be, it could be mixed in. Um, I mean, pornography is the great counterfeit, obviously. I mean, counter, pornography is, is all about taking. It's taking, it's grasping, it's using. And um, is it any wonder that the evil one has so gone after sexuality to destroy offering a gift of self, destroy people's ability to, to give of themselves? They say 63% of men in our culture are addicted to pornography. That's a huge problem. And increasingly numbers of women. That's why at New Life, just so you know, for the year, we are addressing sexuality for youth, singles, marriage, all ages across the board. Because we know sexuality and spirituality are, are closely connected. But let me just go on to work for it. So think of workplace. When you go to work, how do you go into work? Is it to give a sincere gift of self? 
or is to get a paycheck and get out of there. Because these people are paying the neck. You don't know what it's like to work there. I know, yeah, yeah. So you do the bare minimum. No, no. God puts you in that workplace to offer a sincere gift of self like Jesus. That's why Paul wrote to slaves in Colossians and Corinthians and says, understand, it is not your master that you work for. You work for the Lord Jesus. Colossians 3.23. It says, understand that your call is to offer a sincere gift of self, whatever your situation is. Again, not that you're a doormat, not that you don't have boundaries, but you're learning, how do I do this in an appropriate way? Um, let's take my sermon. Is my sermon right now, don't answer this. Is my sermon right now a sincere gift of self? Maybe. It all depends on motivation, doesn't it? But maybe I had a bad week. Maybe I was really busy this week, and you know what? I was up half the night finishing this sermon. You know what? I resent all of you. <laughs> I resent you. Or maybe, you know what? I'm not feeling good about myself because I've not been delighting in you know, God and receiving his love. So you know what? I'm coming here. I'm very insecure today. In fact, I'm really uptight, and I just pray 15 of you say, great sermon when you walk out that door. <laughs> so you know what? I'm really not preaching to you. I'm really preaching to me. So I'm really not giving you a sincere gift of self. I'm really giving myself a sincere gift of self. In fact, this is all about me right now. <laughs> what I'm saying is that's why it's so critical that even in workplace, I have time and space to, to, op to, to check on my heart and my motivations before God and make sure I'm receiving or else, you know what? I think I'm giving a sincere gift of self, but really the truth is I'm not. Let's take your family. Some of you are parents with young children here. Oh, how do I give a sincere gift itself? The kid's up at 3 in the morning again, you know. Kid's got to be breastfed again. Well, you know, yes. The question is, what do you need to do in your life so that there's some structure where you are taking care of yourself? Where you're having some re receiving coming into your life so you're able to get up at the 3 o'clock in the morning and offer a gift of yourself and not resent, you know, the child. It's very easy to be a parent, as you all of you know, and resent giving a sincere gift to our children <laughs> because I'm supposed to do it. I have to do it. I'm your father. <laughs> it's not a sincere gift of self. It's a have to. You know, there was an expression in my family, and I'll give you the clean version. <laughs> it was used across generations as we would ask for things as children, and it was, well, even as young adults, you are a pain in the neck. You're paying the neck. You're paying the neck. It's all like aunts, uncles, grandparents. You're paying the neck. Well, we got the message. They loved us, but it wasn't a sincere gift of self. Because they probably were giving too much. Or who knows all the dynamics, dynamics that were going on there? Even in church, if I may be so bold, I mean, church as well, you're here to receive. I hope you're receiving. Absolutely. But really, to be part of a community is you also offer a sincere gift of self. What does it look like for you to offer a sincere gift of self here to others around you? You know, whether it's children or just, what does it, what does it mean? Well, I can't. I'm so wasted. Okay. And you need to structure your life differently so that you're taking in and receiving the love of God. You're having fun. You're having delight. You're taking care of yourself so that, you know what? You can go to the food pantry and offer the food, and it's a joy to your life, and you're actually experiencing what God said, which is in giving, you actually receive back. Because it's coming from a full place. That's, that's the core, friends, of spiritual formation. To receive the love of God, and then I offer as a gift of self to others around me. All right. With that, let's do this. If you're saying to yourself, like I have said to myself, and I've been thinking about this for a while, I can't do this. 
this is impossible. I mean, first of all, that's not the way the world is. And secondly, it's you don't know my life. And so like Paul says in Romans 7, the very things I want to do, I can't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. I know I want to give a sincere gift to self, but I can't stand that person's guts. I know I should love them, you know, but I, I need, I need, I need, I need. And I feel all twisted up inside. And so here's the great news of Christianity. Jesus came to basically take us out of Genesis 3, which is all the implications of, of sin in the human race. And he actually, he, he died to give us, one, a new heart, a power, and actually new desires. Will you actually desire to offer your, your gift of yourself? It's actually in you. Saying, some of you are saying, yes, I want to offer a gift of myself. That is my destiny. And when I enter into it, I feel alive when I do it right. When I do it wrong, I hate it, and I hate the people around me, and I end up hating myself. But when I do it God's way, I can feel his pleasure. So Jesus died to actually make this a possibility. The Christianity is not rules. Do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. That is not what this is about. It is about a change of heart. It is about a power entering into our base and slowly transforming our hearts so that's what's coming out of us is something that's not normally of us. It is God coming out of us. It's supernatural by the Holy Spirit. It's a power. It's a life. This is what the Christian life is. It is the core of spiritual reformation is to offer a sincere, every word's important here, not insincere, to offer a sincere gift of you. Not what you do, it's you, it's self, whether it's time, energy, resources, itself. So back to this card here. Jesus died and rose again for the transformation of your heart and my heart. That's why he's alive today. That's why he died. So that you would actually love and be able to do the good, the true, and the beautiful. So look at this little, this little card here. You know, again, yeah, I'm, this certifies that I'm a full-time minister. I'm a full-time servant of Jesus. You're going to go to school tomorrow, some of you students, you know, junior high, high school. But out of, they say to yourself, huh, pull us out in math class. You know, out of a life, receiving the love of God, I'm called to offer a sincere gift of self. And then you say to yourself, how do I do that? I had someone talk to me at the first service. I have to fire this young lady. How do I do it in such a way that I'm offering a sincere gift of self? You're right, these are challenging questions. How do I do it? My tendency, Pete, is I overgive and then I resent people. Excellent question. How do I do it, Pete? I don't take care of myself, and so I find myself constantly depleted. Yes, your role in discipleship right now is to make sure you're receiving the love of God, getting some fun in your life, finding things that delight you, and actually slowing down. I, for me, it's one of my biggest issues. When I am taking care of myself and receiving the love of God, I love offering a gift of myself. The joy of my life, it can't hold me back from it. But when I'm not, I just want to, I want to hide, put a fig leaf on, and when God says, where are you? And I say, I have no idea where he is. <laughs> so let me ask you in closing, are you doing things resentfully? Are you doing gifts, quote, resentfully, loving resentfully? others in God. This invitation today, again, is the core of spiritual formation at New Life Fellowship Church, and that is our life is receiving the love of God. That is our, that's the foundation of our existence. And then out of that cup overflowing, 
we offer a sincere gift of self. And if it's not sincere, then you know you're not ready to offer it probably yet. And you've got to make some adjustments in your lifestyle. So this is about your whole life. So with that, I want the worship team to come on forward. And we're going to take communion. And what's wonderful about communion is Jesus offers a sincere gift of self in the Lord's Supper. And what I'm going to invite you to do is in this communion time, that you would take the same thing. Jesus says, this is my body given for you. I love what he says. He takes the bread, he breaks it. He says, take and eat, this is my body. He offers his body. He takes the cup, gives thanks, and says, drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. He says, this is my body. It's a sincere gift of self given for you. And you're going to receive him. Ah, yes. And then I want to invite you to do this at communion today. You're going to take the bread and cup back to your seat and go, okay, Lord, now this is my body given for you. You give me yours, Jesus. Now I want to give you my body. By your body means your whole person I'm giving to you, Jesus. Body, mind, soul, spirit. I offer you myself. That's communion. Let him fill you. You have a choice at communion right now. Jesus says, verse, uh, the verse here in verse 8, where, I'm sorry, verse uh, 9, where are you? You don't have to come to the Lord's table. You can stay right where you are. Um, you can make a covering for yourself and hide. You can make a fig leaf and hide. Or you can come out and be exposed and allow God to clothe you. It's a great image. What a, what a word of scripture. I wish I had time to give you a whole sermon on freedom. God gave us freedom. You can choose to come out of hiding right now. You could stay hidden with a fig leaf or you can come out and let him clothe you. And the gospel is two things. One is Jesus died to forgive us of all of our sins. He died on a cross for that. He washes our sins clean. That's a miracle. So we come to the table in the name of Jesus alone, through his blood alone. But the gospel is also, he takes our filthy record and he gives us a clean record. He lived a perfect life. And so I let him clothe me in what the Bible calls the righteousness of Christ. I stand before God in Christ. I don't come based on did I pray enough? Did I love people enough? Definitely not. I come based, I come in the name of Jesus alone. And I just come to the table and I receive his love. Okay, so I'm going to invite you all to stand with me. And I'd like to, you know, how are you going to receive the love of God right now? And so Jesus says in John 15, remain in my love. So I'm going to invite you just to close your eyes for a moment. I have the legion of prayer. I invite you to be still. As Jesus says, be still, remain in my love, John 15. And let's turn to him for forgiveness, all of us, together, before him. And I'm going to read a few of the verses from Psalm 51. Let's make this our prayer as we approach communion. As David wrote, Have mercy on me, O God. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions. And my sin is always before me. So hear the word of the Lord, all of you. God says, where are you? And he invites you to take off your fig leaves and come out from hiding into the love of God, into his arms. Let him clothe you right now. Let him wrap his arms around you. Taste and see. Jesus really is the center of the universe.
And so, Lord, I pray you'd meet us here as we worship, as we take and eat and drink of you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's all stand together as we close. And uh, I just want to speak a blessing over all of us and uh, invite our prayer teams to come forward. And I'd like to, at the end of every service, we have prayer lines. And we believe God moves in prayer in powerful ways that can happen no other way as they happen through prayer. And so uh, for some of you, uh, you're here, and maybe your heart is dead as a doornail. And uh, you simply need a new heart. You need a resurrection uh, you need Christ, and today is your day to begin your relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know about it in your head, but it's not in your experience. And I want to invite you to come at the close of the service and uh, actually cross a line and begin a personal relationship with Jesus. Become a Christian, really, from the heart. Re experience a resurrection. Experience a new heart. And I want you to come and uh, do that. We have that available every service, and people do it. So you please come. Uh, but I also want to call those of you in this room who uh, you know that you are in a, there's a chain on you. Uh, and you're in a bad place. Uh, your heart is covered over. There's a dim echo that what I'm saying is true. I'd love to offer the gift of, the, of myself, but I'm nowhere right now. And uh, you're overwhelmed. You're angry. You're resentful. You're just, you're overloaded. You're, you've not taken care of yourself. You're, 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 you're so jumbled up inside. Uh, you're one big fig leaf. And uh, you own the clothing company called Fig Leaf right now. I mean, it's that big. And you recognize you're in trouble. And uh, really, and we do get in trouble sometimes, don't we? And, and that's why we do need each other. And that's why the wonderful thing about prayer and the anointing of oil, oil, God delivers us. But make no mistake about it, no matter how bad your circumstances may be and what's happening in your life, God has called you by name. And he's called you to offer a gift of self. It may come out of a self that's experienced great pain. But your life is to be an offering of a gift of self to the world. And that is the way you will find joy and fulfillment. But again, it's going to come from a reordering of your life, of being deeply rooted in receiving his love, taking care of yourself, out of which there's an overflow out of you. And you may say, I've never lived like that. Well, you come forward because it begins with the Holy Spirit's power invading and filling you as you build new habits. Okay, so, so today is your day. Please don't run out of here. You come forward. They'll stay here as long as you need to stay to pray for you. Uh, we need each other to walk out this kind of a radical, supernatural life. Because it is radical. It is not the way the world is out there. Okay? So maybe open up your hands up towards heaven if you'd like. You know, palms up and receive a blessing as we close. You know, and, and, and Christianity is, is meant to be an experience of taste and see that the Lord is good. Not simply intellectual head knowledge. So allow God to cover you right now with his love. Just allow his, you can imagine his arms just wrapping himself around you, covering all your shame, all your sins, all your failings and shortcomings. And he whispers in your ears, you know, I love, I've lo I love you and I've died for you. And, and he covers you in your shame. He doesn't trample you. And allow your head to rest against his chest. So, Lord, you see all these wonderful people made in your image. You've created, you destined from the foundations of the earth that they would be in this room today. And they would hear this particular message today. 
And so be filled right now with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with God right now from the inside core of who you are. May God fill you. May his peace and his joy and his love flood your person. And may your cup overflow with the living God in Jesus Christ. And may something so happen inside of your heart that your life might be the, a gift, a sincere gift of yourself as you leave this place today. So be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Lord bless you.